0: Honey Bear! You're listening to The Honey Bear Files. My name is Mariah, but my sons call me Honey Bear. I wanted to record some life lessons and advice for them before I forgot because I have a bad case of mom brain. My kids are one in three, so these lessons are for their future selves. Hi guys, it's Mama! Adult content has been included. All right, so it turns out I was trying to record at least once a month, but it's turning into once a quarter, which is fine. Right now, we're, it's Thanksgiving week, 2018. Happy birthday, Archer. You just turned two. We went to Apple Hill for your birthday, and it was wonderful. One of the things that I'm learning about you is that, contrary to your brother, Who likes to have like big birthdays with everyone? You are you like a smaller crowd. At least right now you do. Maybe you'll change a little bit later. Um, You like to stick to the people that you know, and so it was nice going to Apple Hill because it was just our family and a couple friends, and um, you got to just snuggle with people. You're a big snuggle bug. And you had a really great time, and we had some apple pie, and the weather was beautiful. Um, Speaking of weather, current events right now, let's see. Well, we'll go big first. So in big news, the entire state of California is pretty much on fire right now. (laughs) It's so horrible, Um, and it's scary. It's not funny. I'm laughing a little bit because it's either laugh or cry, at this point, it's that bad. Um, like thousands of people have lost their homes. The air quality has been so bad that we haven't gone outside for days. Um, you can kind of hear it in my voice a little bit because uh my voice is really scratchy, my sinuses are really funny, and um I have a tickle in my throat. So if I make weird nasally noises or coughs, that is exactly why even like, gosh, for example, like air quality, like they, um, our phone, you can like see what the weather is. And if you scroll up, it shows you like the score for the day (laughs) air quality. I'm not even sure what it's called, but you get like, there's a certain points for healthy air. Like if you have 35, a point score of 35, it's healthy air. I think, like, 65 is, like, unhealthy air. We were... Our points for where we live specifically was almost 400. It It was hazardous to go outside. So we have, like, air filters in both your rooms, which I have been using since you were born, just to kind of give noise so that you guys don't wake up after you go for a nap or go to sleep. But we even had air filters given to us. So we've been running... Uh, for us grownups. <laughs> so we have one in our bedroom and someone in the living room and we just kind of been stir crazy today. You guys are gone at your Nana's house, which is nice. That's why I'm able to actually record this for you. Um, but you're just going to be inside all day at her house. So it's just nuts. So I think today's air quality is like 180, which sounds still crazy, but it's still a lot better but even your uncle Aaron and Auntie Rach over in Oakland, they're dealing with the exact same thing. Like we're not even, we haven't had rain. It feels like since March or something and it's November. So the whole state is just as dry as a bone. And we're supposed to have first rain coming on Wednesday. So we'll see how that changes things it's kind of scary in a way to have rain because it's not just like rain falling from clouds that's cleaning the air it's like rain falling through all of this putrid smoke because i mean in the smoke what's in the smoke people's houses that have burned up people who have burned up their pets their livestock wild animals in addition to forests you know like there's just so much on fire that's in the air and that's going to hit those raindrops and then fall to the ground And so I'm like, is it going to be like acid rain? Like, it's just a little bit bonkers. Um, So that's current events. um, And it's very scary and sad. So we're lucky um, that Sacramento is not on fire. But not very far away, there's lots of people who, it's probably going to be a giant crisis. We'll probably be talking about this for a long, long time to come because it's so there's so many people involved that now had once had like thousands of people who've had homes that now don't have homes. I need to drink a little bit of cold coffee because my throat is itchy. Hold on. Holy smokes. <clears throat> Your dad and I just celebrated our 16-year wedding anniversary. That was fancy. We went to Yosemite. It was beautiful. Um, what else? Oh, Jack, <clears throat> you're four you're rad. Um, I like to to lay in bed with you while you go to sleep every night. Once you fall asleep, I sneak out. You love saying funny things and I love hearing everything you have to say. Um, some of the funniest stuff you've said this week, I'm telling you guys, the smoke is nuts. Uh, one of the things you said was that you're petting your, your hand and you're like, I love skin. Uh, skin is so great. I want, I want more skin, more skin, mom. I need more skin. So that was kind of creepy. A little funny though. You've said so many funny things. Seriously though, like you were holding a penny at the barbershop, which is gross in and of itself. But then you smelt your hand and you're like, my hand smells so gross, mom. My hand smells like my nuts. And I was like, okay, cool. So now we know what our nuts smell like. And you're just, you're just funny. Archer, you don't talk yet, but you are super duper needy. And um, recently I just went back to work working outside of the home. I've been working from home full time for about four years so I could be with you guys. But it was time for me to <clears throat> get a real real job, (laughs) they say. Not that it wasn't a real job, but I was working for Peanuts so that I could be home with you guys, but it's time for us to start making a little bit more money so that we can put more money aside for your guys' college, and um, now that you're getting older, like, you're more expensive now, so, yeah, Um, there's that, but instead of putting you in daycare, your Grammy and Pop Pop literally moved, like, a mile down the street from our house because they didn't want you to be in daycare, and I thought that was wonderful because... I could either pay someone to take care of you and hopefully they would like you and you might have some good or bad experiences or I could send you to a grandparent's house who loves you and you can still have some good and bad experiences, but at least you are having those good and bad experiences with people who absolutely love you and adore you and have your best interest in mind. I also realized that you needed a little bit more attention than I could give you. Um, There's two of you and there's one of me and Archer, you uh, are a mama's boy. (laughs) You love me so much. Both of you guys are really, really cuddly. Both of you guys are really snuggly and affectionate and I love that. And I want to nurture that as much as possible. So now that you get to be with Grammy and Pop Pop every day, or sometimes you go to your Nana's house, like you have people giving you exactly what you need. Whereas I was always divided between the two of you in addition to having to work from home. So I felt like, although we spent quite a bit of time together, I was always on my phone or was always on my computer. My attention was always divided. Whereas now you guys get really undivided attention from people who really care about you. And it's really important for me that you know that there are more than just one or two people that care about you. You have a family and everyone in your family really, really loves you. So can you tell I have a little bit of mom guilt for going back to work because I'm like justifying it so much? Um, but I really do believe it's what's best for our family and what's best for you. So it makes it worth it. But that's, That's me. That's what's going on with us as a family. Now you know. So I'll never change the intro to this podcast, though, because I'll just let you know how old you are. So Jack, you're four. Archer, you're two. Um, Archer, you're learning how to sleep at night. You're not nursing anymore. Um, You're not happy about that, but we're going to get through it. Being two is a big deal, bud because there's a lot of things that you're going to learn this year that are life changing. You're going to learn how to sleep in a big boy bed. You're going to learn how to use a toilet. I mean, the whole thing, you're, you're going to start preschool next year. Like this, the year of being two is a big year and I'm committed to helping you stretch and be a little bit uncomfortable so you can see what you're capable of. Uh, It's really easy for me to baby you and I apologize for that, but You're just so darn cute. Um, one of the things to switch gears, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me. I know like in the other podcasts, like we've talked about auntie Chelsea, who I love and I miss, and we've talked about how each of you came to be on this planet and all the things that I hope and dream for you as your tiny babies, um, growing up, um, And we've talked, I've talked to you about, you know, like inclusiveness and being a good person and all that. But before I really can talk to you about anything else, I really felt like I needed to talk to you guys about my faith in God, because right now um, I've just made a leap like in career wise, like I've been working as a church, as a pastor at a church for, since I graduated undergraduate studies, I went straight into church work and I really wanted to be a part of that. And going back to work now, I've made a big leap into working in nonprofits, which is also very important to me. Um, And it's different. And in a lot of ways, sadly, it makes me sad that this is true, but it is true. In a lot of ways, it's a lot more fulfilling doing philanthropy with a nonprofit that it's a religious based nonprofit, but it's nonprofit. It's not a church. And I feel like I'm accomplishing more. And that sounds awful. But nevertheless, uh, my faith is really important to me. Obviously, I got my degree in theology with with an emphasis in biblical studies. And my graduate studies were, were, Focused on church history and specifically U.S. church history. I focused on the Great Awakenings. Had I not had you guys as kiddos, I would have gone on to get my doctorate degree because I would have been so bored and sad that I didn't have you that I would need to distract myself with higher education. <laughs> but what I wanted to get my PhD in, and maybe I will, we'll see, but I wanted to to have my Ph.D. in church history, but have my um, graduate work be on the theology of the civil rights movement and how they connect to the church of today, because so much great theology came out of that era of human rights um, that was based out of um, liberation theology, but also just like a tangible action based theology. Where you put your love into action and you put it you're willing to get political and you were willing to risk your life for the greater good. And um I love it. So my faith is really important to me. And obviously, as a Christian or anyone of any faith would say that they would want their child to adopt their faith, right? I think that's logical. Uh, assumption to make. So I'm a Christian. I obviously want you to be Christians. Uh, My dad's Jewish, even though he's not really a practicing Jew, he really would have a rather I chosen to be a rabbi versus a pastor, or he would have chosen for me to marry a Jewish doctor versus your dad. But like at the end of the day, everyone gets to choose for themselves, which is the beauty of free will. So I wanted to share with you a little bit about my faith. You know, when you talk about in church world, you hear the world. oh, I want to share the gospel with you. And it's like this weird word, gospel, but really it's good news. So what really is this good news all about? Well, for me, like I'm constantly mulling over my faith always. And I feel like my faith is always uh, growing and evolving and changing and building and sometimes I like, can identify my own life where maybe I've taken a wrong turn in my faith and I need to correct course. And I feel like I'm in an era of that in my life right now where I feel like I'm having like this renaissance of my own life, so to speak, with my own uh, faith in, as a Christian. Because I feel like when you look at what Jesus taught, specifically Jesus, like, take take yourself away from the Old Testament. Take yourself away from the other books of the New Testament, and let's just focus on Jesus for a second. Everything that he was talking about came from a place of love and not a place of fear. And I feel as though when you look at church history, there's so many decisions that we've made to try to convince people to become Christians that come from a place of fear. Like, we try to scare people into deciding to love God or deciding to accept the message of Jesus. And, you know, I don't want you guys to go to hell, but I don't want you to choose a faith because you're scared of hell. Would I love to scare you into loving God? Sure. Is it right? No. Is it theologically accurate? No. When I think about heaven and hell, because when I think of sharing your faith with someone, you're always like, oh, you want to save them. You want to get someone to get saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. That's what they're insinuating. Heaven, hell, they're centered around death. And the problem with that is that you're alive. (laughs) You're not dead. So this means that you have a faith. That would be all about the after party instead of the here and now. And I think that's super twisted. And if we're being honest, it's pretty morbid and a whole lot of shallow. So as Christians, we believe that there is a God, one God, creator of the universe, ultra galactical, like outside of the universe, outside of time. That created the universe and all life. And that God, because of the human broken condition that we live in, that God became a man. His name was Jesus. Jesus' death, resurrection. It eliminated the barrier, that broken barrier of the human condition that would keep us from God. It eliminated that. So now we have this free access to God because of Jesus. And not only that, but God... He sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to lead us and guide us now. God is this community God that wants to be connected with us. So we, because of Jesus, we get to decide, do we want to be on God's team or do we want to be on our own team? Now, if you want to talk about hell... That's cool. We can talk about it. I mean, questions like, is it real? Does it exist? Why would it exist? What would it say about a loving God if it did exist? So if you're curious, let's talk. I have things we can read. And is I, w- I would love to nerd out with you on something like that. But the thing is, is hell doesn't really matter. Neither <laughs> does heaven, really. Like, none of it matters. Because that shouldn't be our reason. Like, I get it. Like, I have had people who I love very, very much die. Do I want them to be in heaven? Yeah. Do I want to go to heaven one day and see them? Yes. That's not why I have a relationship with God. It's not. It's not. That's not it. It doesn't matter. Um, because we live in the world of the living. So our reason should be love. So I want to talk about Lord of the Rings for a second. I'm sure by the time you hear this, you'll either read the books, which would I would be very impressed, <clears throat> or you have watched the movie. Again, I would be very impressed, <laughs> but nevertheless. Um, so my favorite book is Return of the King, and there's a part in the book that's not in the movie. So spoiler alert, if you haven't nerded out on the books, I'm about to tell you the end of the book, which is like the meanest thing to do to somebody. So if you want to pause here, go read the book and then return. I will be okay with that. If you could give two shits and you still want to listen, I don't blame you. It's not for everybody. Here's the story that I'm trying to tell you. The bad guys are defeated in the book. I mean, obviously, that's the end of most books is bad guys are defeated by the good guys. So our tiny little furry-footed hobbits return to the Shire. Now, they're looking forward to going back to the Shire, like, a lot. They've been on this journey to return this dumbass ring into some fiery pit for freaking ever. And they have finally completed their journey. They're done. They're over it. They're broken. They've seen some real serious crap. Like, they have some PTSD, like... You do not even want to know. They have been through hell. (sighs) Freaking the Shire has been defeated, or had been conquered by the bad guys, while they were away. So here they are on this ring journey, and while they're gone, their whole Shire gets, like, taken over by orcs, which are the bad guys. They get back to the Shire, and they realize, shit, I have to get back into the game, because our freaking whole shire has been overrun by bad guys. They have not gotten the memo that their leader is dead and defeated. So now we have to seriously kick some orc ass. That's like the kingdom of God on earth. Yes, Jesus paid the price. Yes, God has won the game. But there's a lot of places in the world that have not gotten the memo and Evil really needs to get its ass whooped. But the difference between us and the Shire is that God is with us, His Holy Spirit to lead us as we help take back the land for God and to help people find God's love and to find heaven here on earth. I think about Jesus' prayer. When Jesus taught us how to pray, He said, "Our Father." This is how He taught us to pray. Are you ready? You should know this. I sure the hell hope you know this. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our father who art in heaven, you hallowed be your name, which means you're a freaking rad, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So give us today everything that we need, lead us out of temptation, help us to forgive others because you've forgiven us and you're you're the you're the best. Amen. That's that's your mom's version of the Lord's Prayer. You're welcome. God, Jesus did not say like anything along the lines of like now you need to like accept me as your Lord and Savior and say this prayer. God forgive me. You know, like it's like way, I feel like as Christians we've kind of made everything a little bit more complicated. Really, the kingdom of God is built on faith that says that God is love and that all life matters and that heaven can be yours here on earth. And it doesn't have a footnote that says, otherwise you're going to go to hell. So pick wisely. The kingdom of God really is defined by Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Please read it from the book of Matthew I mean, the Bible does talk about eternal life, if we're getting back to the hell, heaven and hell, but wouldn't the opposite of eternal life be eternal death, not eternal life, and the opposite is also eternal life, but marked by suffering for all eternity? (laughs) I mean, God would really have to go out of His way (laughs) to create an eternal suffering place, which actually is not something that we find in the Bible, in my opinion. A lot of the things, by the way, side note, M- Mama side note, is that a lot of things I'm going to tell you today are things that aren't really popular thought in the church and probably be, I'd probably be considered a heretic if I'm being completely honest. But I'm also pretty confident that... these views that I have on heaven and hell and what you really should be focused on are things that the church is going to shift into talking about in the years to come because I believe that we need to correct course when it comes to these. I think that in church history, we've marched down the, the path of hellfire and brimstone so much that anyways, we'll get there. But what I'm trying to say is this, that the Bible talks about eternal life. Maybe hell isn't a forever place, maybe there is an eternal death, or what if you don't want to be with God? And, you know, you know, like, what if like the happiest place on earth is Disneyland? But for some people, that sounds like their worst nightmare. I mean, <laughs> just saying that, like, is it possible that ultimate freedom, it's not driven by fear, but I want to be with God because I love God, not because I'm scared of God or because I'm scared of going to hell or because I really, really want to get into heaven. So the real question then becomes, do you want to partner with God to make this world more heavenly? I mean, do you want to take back the shire? I mean, evil really hasn't gotten the memo. Let's fight for justice. Let's fight for equality. Let's fight for innocent folks today. Let's mend our broken society, um, starting with ourselves, starting with our families, starting with our friendships. God wants to help us. To me, that's mind blowing. Think about this the Creator of all things gives two flying shits about you, the Creator. The being that created the universe, all of the living things within it, loves you in all of your insignificant dysfunction. Your life is a drop in the cosmic bucket, a blip, and that Creator God loves you, cares about you, your daily choices, your relationships. To me, that should give you shivers up your core, and it should compel you to Him, not Hell hell smell hell hell bo bell banana fana fo fell me ma mo mel, hell maybe it's there maybe it's not i don't know it's not a factor it shouldn't matter how miserable again would it be to have to spend an eternity with god if you really didn't want to i'm saying this having a grasp on hell it will shape your view on god's character Take note when you hear something and say to yourself, would God really do that? It's a good place to be. Listen, you don't need to have blind faith. You don't. You can ask and ask and ask and ask and hunt and hunt and hunt and continue hunting. God is so good that you can do that and you can be safe. He loves you. He wants you to search, 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 search and find. Personally, I fell in love with God fell in love with Jesus, I understood something in my consciousness, deep below, like in my heart, that God is real, that He loves me, and that my life had purpose, and He's looking out for me. I still feel God leading me, and I get to be His helper here and now, and that gives me a thrill to be able to say, wow, that was God. I say that a lot. Sometimes it's logical. Sometimes God direct His, direct His direction. It's like a more of a sensory feeling or a tug or a hunch. Um, it's hard to articulate. It's like tasting the best chocolate and then trying to, to describe it to someone who's never had chocolate or try describing the best chocolate to somebody who doesn't like chocolate. I mean, I live my life for God because I'm compelled by the love that I feel from Him And it, like, causes this love in my heart towards Him. Um, It makes me act in a way—I have a a physical response to God's love. I want to help other people. I want to care about other people. And it comes from the root that I really believe that God cares for everyone. So I don't want you guys to go to hell. (laughs) I mean, obviously, But a faith that's built on fear is rubbish. I want you to not worry about hell because you'll be compelled by love because God loves you. God loves people. So I want people to see God's love in your actions, and then I want you to be able to give God the credit. Jesus didn't preach hell. I think he's the expert. Am I right? I mean, if we're going to consult somebody... That would be who I would talk about. Um, Jesus talked about focusing on today, not focusing on tomorrow, not focusing on death. Um, I mean, there's a lot I'm looking forward to in heaven. I want to be wherever it is. Still, that's not why I'm a Christian. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough troubles of its own. Like Jesus literally said that. That's actually in the Bible. I love God and people... Because that's what today needs. And I'm not focused on tomorrow, so to speak. And that's how I want to challenge you to find your faith with God. Not in a desire to go to heaven or escape hell, but because you understand God's love. So let's skip any more talk about heaven and hell. Um, Well, maybe one last thing. Let's talk church history a little bit, right? So... I feel like too much time has been spent on heaven and hell. During the dark ages, people were dying. There was plagues. People died prematurely a lot. And people were honestly scared half to death anyways. And God became really freaky in the eyes of these people, too. Since everyone was dying, it was a part of everyday life. The church was able to scare people into having their religion and getting people to give them money to guarantee them a, a spot in heaven. That's, that's actual history. Or in America, the Great Awakenings. Um, man, man. Talk about scary preachers. They talked about hellfire and brimstone. They scared people so badly. It was honestly less of an awakening and more of widespread panic and fear of hell and God. People were terrified into doing whatever it took to go to heaven and eradicate evil. Uh, It's a totally gross perversion of a loving God. So I've decided that heaven and hell are non-essentials to the Christian faith. People might think I'm a heretic. I'm okay with that. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. Maybe it doesn't matter. And we get to just be surprised. So now let's turn to a different quest. Let's talk about why God? Why would God exist? What does that mean in a world filled with science and math? What about other religions and how they interconnect? What does that mean? For me personally, what does that mean for you? So I've done a little of my own research. So none of the things that I'm telling you are like brand new out of my own brain. But they all resonate for me on my own personal quest. So when you talk about God and you talk about religion, religion is not so much a search for God really as it is a search for ourselves. People have created religions. God didn't create religions. So we created religions to give ourselves um, some type of system to help figure out who we are. And humanity has been asking these same questions since the dawn of time. When we read the Old Testament, like what's really hard and scary about the Old Testament is we read a lot about a lot of violence, a lot of genocide, It makes us want to discredit God sometimes. Maybe we discredit all of who God is because clearly that can't be a God of love. It can push a person to even ditch the idea that there's a God altogether. Um, Maybe there's nothing else. Maybe this is it. Because if that's God, that can't be right. And even when we read the Old Testament, even um, in popular Christianity, they wouldn't say this, but it's true. Is that Christians oftentimes pick and choose from the Old Testament what they wanted to to follow as being doctrine, and what stuff we can just kind of like quietly ignore. Like for example, the church loves talking about tithing because it's in the Book of Malachi, um, which isn't even a part of the Torah, by the way. But like we discount the fact that King David had like a bunch of wives, like under a hundred. But more than 50, that's a lot of wives, or that prostitution was seemingly okay. Or we don't want to make it women feel bad when they're on their monthly cycle. But in the Old Testament, they would need to live in a separate residence and not touch anyone during that time, and then have to go take a bath in a lake. But that's but we can discredit that because. That doesn't apply to us anyway. So, sometimes where I'm going with that is that, like, we can sometimes, like, we're in a giant cafeteria, ch- pick and choose from the Old Testament which stuff we like and what stuff we don't like, but then we go and say that the whole Bible is, like, perfect and, like, the Word of God, but, like, we're still picking and choosing, even though we're saying we're not picking and choosing. We don't stone anyone, for example, and that was something in the Old Testament, so when you read the Old Testament, you can be very disheartened, is what I'm saying. We can talk about the Bible another time. Clearly, that's another discussion for another day. I love the Old Testament. It's a very sacred to me. It's something that's very special, but it can be very it can be a huge turnoff. Um, I can't settle on the fact that there is no God. like that doesn't work for me. I'm constantly being tugged towards more. There's something inside of me that is like really propels me and thrusts me on. I mean, I, I've had an encounter with God and the story of Jesus. It just it has permanently changed me. The hard part of this is that when I listen to Christians speak on behalf of other Christians, um, they sound like idiots. <laughs> if I'm being really honest, they sound stupid. They don't sound very smart. Their political stances sound ignorant. They don't have empathy. Um, Politically, most side with Republicans, which in today's climate is really scary to me. So really, bottom line, Christians are kind of embarrassing and they say the worst stuff. Uh, Incidentally, people who don't believe in God They also think that Christians sound stupid and they also believe that if you believe in God, you're clearly, (laughs) you're clearly stupid because if you understand science, you would understand that there is no God as though science and God are not friends, as though math and science are not pals. And, um... And you know what? There are times when I hear someone t- try to talk about God with friends and family who don't believe in God, and, and they do sound dumb. And I want to become invisible because it becomes a very awkward conversation because when they talk about God, they talk about it as though, like they just start, it starts sounding like a fairy tale or a magical scenario, scenario because the way they talk about God is completely disconnected with real life here and now. And maybe it's because they're still in the heaven and hell mentality versus the kingdom of God on earth today. And even the word kingdom on earth sounds silly because, like, we don't have kingdoms. Like, that's not a thing anymore. So maybe we need a different vocabulary whatever, but there's, but these Christians are, they're so, even though they're talking about these disconnected ideas that are disconnected from real life, they're so confident about this weirdo stuff that they're talking about and they're absolutely convinced they're not wrong. Oddly enough, the more I learn as a, personally, your mom, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know everything. So when someone comes across and they make it sound like they know everything, I really don't trust them because clearly they do Don't know everything because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. You have more questions unanswered than answered, but not these folks. So, you know, it's like being a Christian would mean that I would align myself with this disconnected way of thinking that contradicts and undermines all intelligence. And It's hard to try to play on the same team as these other Christians because am I saying that I agree with their stances and does that make me stupid too? Or <laughs> is it possible to have a thoughtful and intelligent faith? I don't sorry, my nose is all goofy because of the smoke. I don't want God to be trapped by our stupidity. I don't want you to have an ignorant and blind faith i We really need to process our stuff and and not disregard things we uh what makes more sense to us a world without God or a world with God maybe. Intelligence demands a belief in God versus not. Um, Here's some different trains of thought on it I've thought about. So let's say we, let's talk math. The universe, if the universe is just made up of math, then it's very deterministic. It's it, the world, math would is fatalistic, is what I'm trying to okay. Math, okay, let me try to, how am I, this is really hard to articulate. If math rules the universe, that means that everything is predetermined. It would mean that you don't necessarily have free will or freedom, because what is perceived as choice or uniqueness would be a response to the data that makes you you. On the other side, there's faith um, that, The universe was created by a creator who was creative, meaning that imagination would be essential and not accidental, and human beings were created to create, and we are not the result of predetermined domino effect, but that um, we were thought about, and that life has more meaning than just existing Determinism would say that the universe is created out of chaos and not creativity, more mathematical, less intentional or not intentional at all. But what we're just we're learning about in science as well is that there is some type of intelligence to the universe. So even those who be, who don't believe in God, they would say that as well. And so whether you believe in this fatalistic view or predetermined view of the universe, which takes faith, or you believe that there is a creator of the universe that also takes faith, we would both say that there is some intelligence to the universe. Um, I'm not sure what takes more faith to believe in, if I'm being honest as well, because everything comes out of something. Like the universe either had a creator or it was created by something. Do you see where I'm going with this? The universe had to come out of something. And according to science, it came out of nothing. So from nothing came something. And that's mind bending. And that's what science would say. And so do you see where that takes some faith that something came from nothing? For me then I say, well, there's nothing. How long was nothing nothing? When and how did nothing decide that there should be something? Why did nothing suddenly make something? To me, it, it's a stretch. Another perspective would say that okay, maybe there was nothing, but in that nothing was everything and that everything was God. And out of his essence or her essence, I mean, God has no gender, right? So out of God's essence, God imagined us and created us. And there's reason in the universe and the universe is intelligent because he made it that way. And that human beings have a consciousness and awareness and emotion and creativity and love because we're made in God's image and God's likeness. And In addition, if the driving force of the universe is math, then you're a product of a predetermined outcome. But if the driving force of the universe is God, then you're a product of love because God is relational and the whole universe is interconnected and relational. And as you search on in life, what I do know is that you're probably not going to be searching for math You're going to be searching for love, and as a person, you were born, you knew how to breathe, you knew how to drink your mama's milk. I know, because I was there for both of those things, and as you grew, you learned how to eat, but you already instinctively knew to drink water. You knew how to sleep, although Archer was still trying to train you on how to sleep a little bit better. You crave love. Love is essential to a child's development, both physically and behaviorally and emotionally. As people, our souls are so much better with a worldview that says that we're not an accident. You were made for beauty. You were made for wonder. Your life has purpose. It has intention. You were meant to do something great. Even if God didn't create you, you're better, healthier as a human being with a mindset that says that He did. Weird, right? Our souls have an intelligence like the universe that pulls us towards a loving God. Side note from that, the reality that we have seriously hard questions about pain and war and famine, natural disaster, we point our finger, we'll blame God. Our world is in chaos. Our creation is in chaos. Um, Society is broken. Um, Maybe there cannot be a God if all of this pain and suffering is in our world. Or maybe that's actually a reflection of human condition in our own actions instead of a reflection on God. What if the world reflects humanity instead of reflecting the creator? What if humans are reaping what we've sown? I actually think that this is the case. I mean, climate change, cancer, famine, wars, rape, abuse, genocide, all of this is humanity's fault. That's why I'm in the line of work that I'm in, because I'm not placing the blame elsewhere. And if we broke it, we can repair it. And that's the work of the kingdom on earth. So let's talk about ourselves. let us We've been talking about the universe. We've been talking about our world. Now let's talk about ourselves as individuals. Have you ever noticed? I don't know. i should, This is so... Ha, okay, sorry, my brain's bounces around sometimes. Have you ever noticed that you don't really know yourself until you're around other people? Like when you're alone in your room by yourself, you don't have to interact with anyone. You seem pretty awesome. It isn't until you have to interact with other people's that you, other people's, the other people that you really start seeing your true self. You start really understanding what you like, what you don't like. You start seeing how kind you are and also how impatient you are with others. You start seeing the world that you're creating around you, the damage that you do to your own relationships or the ways that you keep your friendships good and healthy versus the ones that you don't do such a good job at. You start seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly and you start seeing that you yourself have some jagged edges inside you that causes that cause pain for other people around you. you when you look inside yourself, um, you start seeing, huh, maybe the world around me is a reflection of who I am. Maybe instead of playing the victim all the time, you take some ownership for the things that happen to you around you. You start to understand why we live in a painful world. Uh, I can see how we would want to blame a lot of that on God versus blaming humanity or even blaming ourselves and owning it. But here's the deal. I cannot accept a world that's not made up of free will. And I believe other people were made to have freedom and to create a different life for themselves and for others. We have free will that can cause damage, but we also have free will that can create healing and restoration and change. Like, free will is powerful. Uh, That's the gift that we have, and it's caused a lot of damage, but it can cause a lot of repair. Maybe you would say then, um, when it comes to religion, bringing it back to God, that all religions point to God. Well, as a person that studied different religions, I want to be the first to tell you that statement is very insulting for many religions. Um, for example, if you told a Muslim that their faith is the same as Mormonism, which is the same as Judaism, they would think you're a moron. Uh, if you told a Buddhist that their religion was the same as Christianity, First of all, they would think that you don't know what you're talking about. And secondly, they would find you very rude. Religions are not the same. What religions do have in common are that they lead you on a path to get you to a goal. So for example, Buddhism has a path towards enlightenment. And it has a systematic approach to get you there. Then if you want to get there, you follow that path. Uh, If you want to find favor with Allah, Islam gives you a path. If you want favor with God, Catholicism gives you a path. Um, Religions were created by human beings, not by God. And I think that religion causes, um, religion controls, creates a controlled environment. Um, People, when you tell a person they can't do X, Y, and Z, but instead should do A, B, and C, it, and, and people feel constrained by those rules. Um, you find that you have a power to manipulate a person to do what you want them to do. People are so filled up with guilt and shame already, they want a way to release it. And we don't want those feelings inside of us, so we find a system to help us release it. We find a system to help us overcome it. And we're trying to do a bunch of stuff to get God's attention. But when you boil that down and you, and you deconstruct it, you realize that religion isn't a search for God. It's a search for life. We feel like something's missing inside of us, like we're hollow inside. And it can make us think that we need to get God to like us, and we need to do stuff to make God happy with us, and we have to go through a process of taking on some type of religion so that one day God will finally approve of you in your life, and that you can be worthy to be in God's presence, and you work really, really, really hard. Any God that like forces you to earn His love like that is not worthy of your worship. I mean, That's where Jesus is different. The message of Jesus and God through the lens of Jesus, who I really do believe is the way and the truth and the life. Um, It's so much different than Christianity as a religion. If every religion gives us a system or construct to get us to a goal either to enlightenment or to heaven or maybe getting out of hell. Um, This is where Jesus is different because he doesn't come to us to tell us how to earn God's love. Instead, Jesus flips the whole thing on its head. And instead, he tells us what God has done in order to show us how much he wants to get to us. Jesus comes to show us what God would do to get to me. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, He's saying that He is your perfect fit for your soul. You can try to make a religion fit for you, um, but it won't feel right. Uh, You're not created to fit into a religious system or to have religion fit for you. You were created for love and for relationship. He's the way because you were made for progress and movement. You were created for hope. You were created to work with God, to make this earth better, to love others, to seek justice and to love mercy. And the way of Jesus takes us there. It isn't a message about the way to heaven. It's a message about Jesus is the way to heaven on earth, to, to regain God's love here on this planet, to make the wrongs right again. And your soul knows it. We were created to have to to create a future that doesn't exist yet, but with our help, partnering with God, it will one day exist because we're created to have purpose to do great things. Our imagination is so powerful. We get to design a future for ourselves. And Jesus is the truth. I mean, we're always on the search for truth. I am And sometimes we find that certain folks can't be trusted or that a certain truth was ended up being a fallacy and we give up on truth. Um, And the truth isn't outside of Jesus. It's with Jesus. We dive into what Jesus teaches us, what He instructs us. Through His truth, we find meaning. We need to invest in the meaningful things instead of investing in the things that don't bring us meaning. It moves us from just existing on earth to living a life that's meaningful and filled with love and filled with joy. Power, sex, money, boom, it'll leave you empty. It'll give you temporary gratification and then you'll feel hollow again. You are living your fullest life when you are lived, living fully loved. I hope that you can understand that. If you don't have... If you don't have anything else, but you are loved and you are loving people with the most fervor and gumption that you can muster, you will be fully alive. Why, 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 why? The questions. You guys, Jack, you ask me all the time, why, 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 why? Why? Everything is why. Mom, why is it raining outside? Why does the rain fall from the sky? Why do clouds have water in them? And some of your why questions I don't have answers to. And, Archer, you have not asked any why questions yet. But I know that at the end of our life, we'll ask those same questions too. We need to search for our why. Why? I'm amazed that I'm still a Christian. I mean, I have so many questions. I have so many doubts. I'm convinced um, that we've made everything way too complicated. We've added so many hoops and rules. Um, Although Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he came to simplify rules and to get rid of a lot of rules. He said so himself. So I don't think a lot of discussion on the non-essentials of our faith matter anymore. What matters is loved being loved, loving others. One of my favorite books from my favorite theologian, Martin Luther King Jr., the book's called Strength to Love, and it really is like water to my thirsty soul. And I've read it cover to cover and over again. It is and will always be on my nightstand next to my bed, so just ask for it if you want to read it. I hope that you find that this is actually good news for you that you don't have to make a decision about God because of fear. Uh, When you make decisions because you're afraid, you'll most likely decide poorly. I think I'll leave it there. We can talk more if you want. Okay, let's pray. I'm going to pray. I just want to. God, let your love transform us and let it awaken us and let it humble us and let it bring us to repentance. Help us to really love you better and to love people better. Help us to bring justice to those in need and help us to have empathy for the innocent who are hurting and let us find ways to make this place better and really expand your kingdom and keep us safe. Amen.